Welcome to Recovery Corner, where the many pathways of recovery intersect. We believe that recovery should be defined by each individual on their own unique journey. We also welcome allies of recovery to the conversation as we know that substance use disorder impacts our entire communities, not only the people experiencing addiction. This is a space where you will hear personal stories of triumph in recovery, gain insights into various recovery-oriented systems, and learn how leaders across the country are building recovery-ready communities. Recovery Corner is brought to you by Young People in Recovery, otherwise known as YPR. YPR is a recovery support service organization that engages people in and seeking recovery, as well as allies of the recovery movement to take a stand for recovery. Welcome back, everybody, to today's episode of Recovery Corner. We are your host, Candace Rose. And I am Jesse Hayner. I am excited for today's podcast, Candace. Uh, I heard about this guy a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, I like it. I like the name. Um, I want to welcome our guest today. His name is Nathan Schmitty. I guess Nate would be better or Schmitty or whatever you want to, whatever I can call you, you let me know, Nathan. And so uh, I'm excited to have you on the show today. On today's episode, we will hear his recovery experience with our guest today, uh, learn about how he became uh, Narcan Nate. We'll get into that later and uh, what you're doing now and the tools and resources you do in your community. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked for today. Uh, Nate, thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, I Heck appreciate yeah. it. Heck yeah. Well, look, man, let's just jump right into this. We're excited. I think this is like podcast number uh, seven, eight. Are we on eight? Seven? Something I don't even like know. That. Well, you're in the top ten <laughs> beginning. So, Oh, yeah, that's awesome. When this thing grows to Joe Rogan status, knock on wood, right? Uh, you'll be in the top ten first, uh, first guest. So that's pretty exciting. That's but, Nate, let's just jump into it. Um, I just want to hear your story of your of your you know your recovery your background and um where life took you and just kind of share with us uh your path my friend right on uh well my name is Nathan Smitty uh everybody usually calls me Smitty um I was born and raised in a small town in Tennessee uh it's called Jellico um probably about like 1500 people there um my dad is uh is uh, retired out of the military he's also an active police officer um and my mom was my mom worked different restaurant jobs, stuff like that when I was growing up. Um, childhood early on, like got really um real crazy real quick. My parents like divorced uh, early on. I was around five years old. My dad's drinking like took took off heavily. Like, you know, he's my dad was one of those people like he could drink and but he would still function, but he was drinking like two cases of beer a night, you know what I mean? And my stepmom was doing like other or not my stepmom, but my mom was doing uh, you know, other drugs and stuff like that. Uh one point she ended up she ended up kidnapping us for like two weeks um there was like an amber alert out for us um wow. i remember like i remember being like hidden in a room and like i could i was like peeking through the corner of the window and i could see like the state troopers hat like looking for us we were in like some color in kentucky in kentucky yeah in kentucky yeah so she like where i lived at there was like a was like right on the border so we were in another state oh dang how old were you at the time like six years old holy cow yeah that's intense so mom, mom took you at six so that was an experience yeah yeah and um so yeah she took us and like i don't know if she was like in psychosis or but like 
she told me and my brother that, like, my dad was going to do all these horrible things to us. And she pretty much, like, brainwashed us. You know, children are very vulnerable, vulnerable and they, like, believe their parents have the be- their best intentions at, at heart, you know what I mean? So she told us, like, a bunch of craziness, man. And uh, and she ended up, like, putting, like, marks on my brother and mm-hmm. stuff like that and whatnot. And, uh, and, like, I was there to see it, you know what I mean? And, like, uh, and she, she was like, you know, this is for the best. Like, so go into, like, DCS and, like, say that, like your dad did this, you know, Department of Children's Services and say your dad did this, um, you know what I mean? So we were there for a little bit and uh, and then she took us to DCS. And she got arrested on the spot, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you can't just take your kid, you know, run away with some kids and not expect it, you know, like no consequences. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was real crazy. And um, so after that, man, like I was just all screwed up, man. Like I didn't trust nobody. Like I didn't trust my dad. I didn't know who to believe. It was like two two forces like pulling me one direction. You know, I was in the middle. And like, so I really didn't trust anybody then. Like I got real distant, got real quiet. Um, I really didn't like, like I just, human interaction, like just, I just didn't want it. You know what I mean? I just loved isolating being by myself. You know what I mean? And, uh, and around, I don't know, maybe a few years later, that's when I realized like, uh, I mean, you hear this all the time, but I just feel like something was different with me. You know what I mean? Like I just felt different. <laughs> and um, so, you, you know, I was, I don't know. I was just a, a, like a loner in school. Like I had friends, but I would rather be by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was just more comfortable by myself. And uh, like, uh, and I always got in fights when I was younger too. Like I was like, I, like I hated God. I just hated everybody. And it's still a struggle to this day, but I just hated everybody. And like, so I, like my, if I felt like you came at me any, any kind of way or like disrespected me, like, like I would just throw punches at you. Like I've been in, like my, I've been in so many fights at church. Like it's unbelievable. Like in church would like throw fight at with church, somebody. Smitty? Yeah, I would, yeah, I wouldn't, I didn't care. It didn't matter where it was at. Like I was just like, if you did something to me and you made me mad, I would just swing on you. I'm the like, same. You, I was the same way, man. They, they, they. They suspended me from youth group for like a month. So I can totally relate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so while all this is going on, are you living with dad at this time? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still with my dad. Um, my, so they like put like a restraining order on my mom. Like she gets out and she's not supposed to be with like a thousand feet from us, but my dad still lets her come around because it's my mother and he mm-hmm. doesn't like want to like keep right. her away from us you know what i mean he's like in a tight spot you know so he, he made the best decision he could you know what i mean right. so she was still like in and out of my life you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh, like obviously we wouldn't leave with her anymore but she would like come to my dad's house and like see us and like then she would go about her business you know yeah still living <laughs> with dad though wow that's a, was that that's... Was, sorry Candace. was that you think was it your, I, I may have missed it. Was that your mom was uh, using or was it mental health or what was? I think, I think it was both, man. Cause she was like yeah. all, all the time, maybe a little of both to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Candace. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that's, that's like intense. Um, but so I know you don't live in Kentucky anymore. Like, did you grow up your whole time out there in the Midwest kind of area? Yeah. So I grew up in, I spent like, 23 years in Tennessee before I like, or I spent 23 years in that town. And then I moved to, when I got sober the first time I went to treatment in Knoxville and then stayed in Knoxville. So you were at treatment out there. So you grew up out there. So um, yeah. kind of touch on that. Like what led up to treatment? Like when, like when you started using, was it high school or what led up to you realizing you need treatment? Um. So yeah, I started using in high school. Like, 
And like it, it didn't really take off. Like I would party in high school. Like I would smoke weed. Like out, like senior year, I was smoking weed and drinking beer every day. And then I started selling drugs, you know. And I was like, the money and the lifestyle, and mm-hmm. like you know, the power, and you get the girls, and like everybody wants to be your friend. Like that was like more attractive than anything to me. And then like one night, I'm going to like pick up some drugs from this guy. You know, I'm going to school, get some weed, get some coke, get some pills. You know, I'm re-upping. You know. And he's like, you need to liven up. This is exactly where he's like, you need to liven up. And uh, he like, he busted out an M block 30. And uh, I don't know. It was like a half of a half. I don't even know. But I did it. Mm-hmm. And like in my head, the first thought that I had was I need to feel like this every day for the rest of my life. Just for our and, listeners, you he pulled out a what? Just so they can know. Uh, oh, he pulled out an M block 30, which is like a Roxy 30. That's what it's called. Like a go. real Roxy 30, not yeah. the press one, but the, yeah. Yeah, the old school, the old school Roxy. Just want to make sure for our listeners they know what you're What's talking Roxy? about. What's Roxy? It's a pain pill. Uh, okay, that's it's like very the... high. Yeah. Okay. Very high potent pill. Okay, just wow. want to clarify. So that was it. As soon as you, as soon as you had that euphoric state of mind, as soon as you took that Roxy, that was your, that was the love of your life from then on. Oh yeah, it was, it was done. Like I, I drove home and was like, I, I you know, I, I, I was, I was, I was so high. And like, I didn't care. Like, you know how they t- people say like, I could breathe again. Like I, I felt normal for the first time in my life. Like I was so right. high, like there was a tree like hanging down across the road. It was real stormy. And I seen a cop sitting at a gas station and I pulled in there and was like, Hey man, there's a tree hanging the road. Somebody's going to crash. And my toolbox is full, like full of dope. Like I'm, I mean, full of dope bags, scales, oh everything. I, like I did not give a shit. <laughs> and I was fucked up too. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> way to be a good Samaritan. Like, even though you know you had all yeah. that, you're still being a good Samaritan. Now, the real question, know. Smitty. The real question, Smitty. Was there actually a tree down, or was were you tripping? I feel like there was. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, that's no one's ever questioned me like that. Maybe there wasn't. I don't know, but he never like came looking for me. Yeah, <laughs> you know he was just I mean? like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find that cop and ask him, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so that was your. Go ahead, Candace. I was gonna say, so what? You're like 17, 18 at the time when this like came into your life. No, this is like I am. I just so when I. This is I am nineteen. This is in October okay. of two thousand. And let's see. Let me let me see. This is October two thousand nineteen. Ah, okay. no, not two thousand nineteen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2011 October 2011 okay you're 19 in 2011 okay mm-hmm. um, so Smitty, what about after that you, you you get introduced to opioids quickly right you yeah. didn't you didn't dabble and go to the shallow end I mean you went you jumped in the deep end with this talk to us talk to myself and Candace and the listeners about the, your progression or your, your degression I should say uh, what was life like after that and what, what what was taking place oh I mean the very next day I was, I, I, I woke up that morning and did another one. And then I did, I was doing like a couple of Roxy's a day, like off the rip. And, uh, cause I was, I was getting so, I was getting so high. I was puking, you know what I mean? And, uh, like it, it didn't stop. Like I was selling them. So essentially like I was just taking my profit and spending them on Roxy's that I had on me. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't have to go get them and it was right there. And then, uh, and then I started doing Coke and Xanax and like, I like mix, I like doing all three at the same time. I like being, I just, you know, I guess you could call it like a, a pillbilly, a, a, a hillbilly pill speedball. Billy. Yeah. A pillbilly speedball, I guess. You know what I mean? So, um, I actually, I got the, the new term for me. Arm, by the way. I'm still, I'm still on that. 
<laughs> yeah, like a little Billy speedball, man. And uh, and so yeah, it just it just took off, man. Like uh, it was an everyday thing. Like I, I had money like stashed from like selling drugs, and like dude, I went through it so quick. And uh, I ended up. I, I mean, you could call it enough. Like, I don't know what happened, man. All I know is, is like, I want to say overdose, but I really do not know what happened. So I don't want to like say it was, say it wasn't. But as far as what happened, I it was when Opanas came out, right? And I didn't know that they were like extended release. So I had done some Roxy's and then I ate like a couple of Opanas, like the, the the Red Moons or some shit like that. And, uh, right. and I was like, man, why ain't I feeling nothing? And then like, it just hit me. And then I fell to the ground. I crawled up my driveway. I'm at my fa- I'm at my aunt's house, so I have family members there. About four family members there, and I thought I could sober up by eating some pizza. And then like, so I come to, and my uncle's like digging pizza out of my mouth. And then I wake up like 26 hours later. So I don't know if I overdose. I I, I have no idea what happened. Wow. That's just like so. Call it an overdose. I don't know what it was. That must have been but, scary for your family. Oh yeah, yeah, it scared them. Yeah, they were scared to death. Mm-hmm. were they aware of your um struggles with substance use at that time i i think there had been some close calls or like some like some some signs you know what i mean like towards the end like i just told them like i just didn't i didn't care right you know what i mean like they asked me like there i think one one day my aunt asked me she asked me if i was taking anything and i, I had a bottle of xanax i was like yeah i'm taking these right here just chill. i just didn't care you know what i mean right mm-hmm. Didn't so care. After, do so, what? So after after that, they uh, after this incident, obviously you kept using. Um, now you're in your twenties. Um, what's what's life looking like now? Yeah. So after that, like my parents, um, they they like locked me. They like locked me up and stuff and detox me, like you know, cold turkey and stuff. And then like I do good for a while. Like I, I got a job. I got a decent job. And uh, and. Um, they so i'm like doing good i'm like i'm using like i'm i'm managing i'm drinking beer here i might be smoking Functional. a little yeah 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 quote, i'm drinking quote. yeah and uh, i'm like drinking beer here maybe a, a, a norco here and there smoking a little bit of weed you know and i'm like renting to own a house like it like everything looks real good on the outside um but on the inside i'm like dying to get loaded like i want to and like here here's so I'm working this job, right? So I have this great idea, like one of the great ideas that we have. So in Florida, you had to be like, I think 26 to get into the, the pain clinic. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to hurt my back slowly over a period of time. So that way, when I get 26, I can go to the pain clinic with a good MRI. They're going to load me up with pills. I can sell pills, get high and be set. But here's the kicker. I went to treatment for the first time at 23 and I've yet to go to the pain clinic. So, wow. so, but I still got a bad back from it. You know what I mean? So, so your goal, your goal is to get a bad back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just yeah, so we can take this, this thought process. I want to purposely hurt my back extremely bad. That way I can go get an MRI and that way I can get pills the rest of my life. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That was and my I, goal. And I can totally relate. Sometimes we, sometimes we care more about getting well than a lifelong time of sickness. Right. Yeah. It's like sometimes I would, I would care more about getting well and sharing syringes and not even because all I can think about is getting well. I'm not worried about the, 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 the long-term effects or the long-term harm to my body. You know, when you're in that state of mind, it's just, I got to do this now, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's so intense what like links we'll go to and we're like full fledged just in that, you know. But um, I think it's also like important to, for people to realize though that like we don't just decide to become these things, like you know, uh, like you sharing your story, like going through that experience as a child, and then that just sort of setting you up to like be disconnected from your family or you know not even feeling safe to make connections and like so many of us are able to easily bond with substances um that we find ourselves in these places doing these things that are just out of this world um and it has nothing to deal with like being a bad person you know it's like you're not our first guest that's talked about just like sensing or like seeking a sense of normalcy um and it's usually related to like something that we've gone through in the past. So um, a lot. like we hear that a lot where it's like when I drank for the first time, when I first used methamphetamine, when I first used opiates, the one thing that me and Candace always hear and good point Candace is uh, when I did this, I felt normal. Right. It was like, it was like, sometimes we think that, that the, the substances, right substances is actually what made me normal right and i, and I know for a lot of people it's hard to understand but it takes away my insecurity it takes away my fears it takes away my my troubles right so for a long time i thought you know my drinking was the issue or no man i have deeper you know things than that but i see a going theme like you said candace well so okay so we're starting to like dabble into okay you have this goal uh yeah. to set yourself up uh but at same time or around the same time you were entering into treatment yeah yeah so so a little while after that like uh i got into the suboxone clinic and did that for a while and i don't know like almost two years i think i was in the suboxone clinic and i ended up getting robbed and so i like asked my dad if i could use his insurance to pay for it because it was just like cash pay like go and give them cash they write you the scripts and you out the door you know and uh and so I really didn't have the money to pay for my for my medication or my visit. And it was like, nah, you're going to treatment. You know what I mean? I was like, all right. I mean, I, I didn't want to, I was like, well, I won't be dope sick for a few days. So it's better than nothing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So they send my ass to treatment. Well, lucky us because now, uh, well, let me back up before I like get any further into that. Um, okay. Was this your first time in treatment? Did you do more multiple times? Yeah, I did. Treatment? I did. I did like. Uh, I did. I've done multiple since in treatment. Yeah. Oh wow! And this was your first time though, yeah, like coming out of time. that. Yeah. Okay. Um. What are those like? Were they thirty day programs, ninety day this, programs? This was like. I think I did like six months here. Yeah, I did six months at this place. Yeah. For your first treatment center, you did a six yeah, month program. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I did like seven days detox. I did like a seven day detox, and then I did like five or five or so months there, maybe six months there. Will willingly, like I, I asked for an extension. So was it abstinence based or was it uh, harm reduction? It, it it was abstinence. It was twelve step based. Yeah. Okay, so you got so you were completely abstinent when you left. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you and so what happened then? You leave the program, and. I mean, what what was the next step? Obviously, you had another uh, a stint, right? So, what do yeah. you? What, how long was that? How long was that gap until you you went back? Uh, like, see, I had around 16, 17 months of uh, of of time under my belt before I went back out. Yeah. Okay, you had some time under you. 
Yeah. What do you think? What what was it? Can you can you tell us what do you think what what happened or was it anything in particular? It was just a Tuesday. Nah, it was just man, I just quit doing what they told me to do, man. Uh, like I quit going to meetings, I quit like no no connection with anybody. I was working like 12 hours a day, six days a week, had no time for myself, no mental like self-care. It was working like a dog, man. And that obsession and compulsion came back. And, and then the next thing I know, I've got a bottle in my hand and, and I'm drinking at like seven in the morning, man. I was yeah. like, what? This is so crazy. Yeah. Dang. Uh, and and you like, knew as yeah. soon as you started doing that, you knew. Oh, I mean, I, I this time, like I, I, I drink that morning and then like my roommate came home and I was like, dude, I drink this morning. Like, I don't know. And then I went and picked up a, a white key tag that day. But like it didn't like it wasn't like oh I stay sober you know it was like I was in and out for like a year and some change like just could not get it together like I really thought I was gonna die I thought they were like I thought I was gonna be one of those people that they put the chair out in the meeting and like oh you know Nate died blah blah blah, blah. chair yeah yeah that's more yeah that's uh that's the going right I love what you said you one you you stop doing what you did in the program right. I think, and, and by the way, for those listening, uh, I've, I've been to seven programs, right? I've, I'm really good, Schmidt. I don't know about you or in Candace. I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm really good at programming. Oh, well, it's, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm great at programming. I run a great program. Staff loves me. I work my way up. My problem is I'm good at getting to a point of my form of recovery, but I'm not good at keeping it for some reason, right? And I don't know what that is. And that's just for me uh, and what my form of recovery looks like. But you know what? You hit the nail on the head, Schmidt. It's like I, one, stopped doing what I did in the program, right? I got too busy for fellowship. And that's a big part of recovery is the social aspect, right? We, we have to have connection. The opposite of, uh, you know, of, of use, we say, is, or the opposite of addiction is, is, uh, is connection, connection, right? The opposite of addiction is connection. And so, you know, people say, oh, it's the opposite of addiction is recovery. I, I beg to differ. We fully believe it's connection. So one you know, got to have connection. You got to have the meeting after the meeting. You got to have a circle of support because this is hard on your own, your own man. So you hit the nail on the head. No connection. You stop doing what you were doing. You stop doing your devotion. You stop doing what it was. Uh, of course, right? We uh, relapse sometimes doesn't start with the substance, right? It starts with our routines that we do less and less from, mm-hmm. right? Would you? Agree? Oh yeah, the substance. The substance is the last part of the relapse process. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, so you go back out after 18 months and I want to encourage those who are listening, you know, if you've come off a relapse lately, um, look at, you know, listen to, uh, Schmitty's story. And I know Candace can attest to myself. Um, you know, it's, 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 it seems like you're down, but Hey, as long as we get back up, right. Schmitty, as long as we keep going. Uh, so shout out to you. If you've got two days right now or a week, or, um, you know, if you're just struggling and you're, you're back on the track, that's awesome. If you got one day, uh, we love you. Kudos to you. So I just like hearing that. I like hearing people who have gone back and forth and finally did that last push, you know, so sorry to yeah. freeze right there, but I just want to get that across. Well, that's what I want to kind of get at too, is like, so you went in and out, you um, had a couple opportunities to go to treatment and like, you know, when, when was the moment that you finally were like, okay, enough is enough. Like, what did it take for you to kind of like change, you know, adjust sales and like get on this track that you're currently on? Um, so I had, I had relapsed, right. Um, I'm in California now. And, um, so I, I'd had about four or five months, uh, sober. I relapsed and I'm just like having four, like at least four panic attacks a day. 
it takes mm -hmm. every like everything in me to like leave my house um and like it's hard for me to like tell like what's real and like what's not real and like the only thing i can think about is throwing myself in front of a train um because like the amtrak comes through Carlsbad village flying i mean absolutely flying and like that was like where i thought about like just throwing myself in front of it at and then um like it was like i was watching a movie and it was kind of like an epiphany you know i was like it's like god talking to me right now i was watching this movie and this lady like had like agoraphobia in this movie and like that's like kind of what i felt like was happening to me i feel like the walls were caving in like I, I couldn't leave my house i'm having anxiety attacks every day you know what i mean i was like uh it's just like i'm either gonna die i'm gonna end up in jail or prison or i'm gonna be like sober and and like have agoraphobia and stuck in the house i can't leave the house i was like all of that sounds horrible you know what I mean? And uh, and that's when I was just like, yeah, I'm like, this is like, I'm done. Like, I just can't do this. You know what I mean? You were watching a movie when all these thoughts came to mind? What movie yeah. were you watching? I can't remember. I can't remember. It was like some lady. She was like a detective. And like she was either had solved the case or was in the process of solving mm. the case. And maybe it went cold. And she like developed agoraphobia because I think this guy like stalked her or something like that. Something happened. But she's like in her house has cobwebs. There. There's like dust everywhere. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be me if I don't, like, get my shit together. <laughs> wow. You know what? Yeah. I've seen a few movies that scared me in my personal life. So, hey, hey whatever that movie was, thank God you were you were watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was also, like, I was also, like, getting high and, like, right, doing step work. And that was like the oh, like, wow. like 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 oh. I've been like so like they say, like, you know, like you, you work the 12 steps and you go back out like you have a like a a belly full of dope and a head full of recovery. Well, like I thought that was the worst experience, but no, like being high and like doing step work was like oh. the absolute worst experience I've ever had in my life. Like it was so bad. Can only imagine. Oh my yeah. gosh. Doing yeah, some inventory. Uh, I, oh, I was riding on a four step. I was riding on my four step and it was, oh my, it was, it was so bad. Yeah, I'm not, that. I haven't done the steps. That's like, that's like a pretty intense one though, right? The fourth step. That's like pretty like dig, dig deep. Yeah, I feel, oh man, that would be tough were you it's on your fourth step when you watched yeah this movie? i was riding on my fourth step like riding resentments and like doing like my sexual inventory and like i'm like getting high and i'm like i was like so I, my thought process was like i can have a, a better experience with god and, and it's just it was not it was not what i intended on out. it being that checks out yeah so, it was totally it, rational yeah. Yeah, and it was just like oh i was just like you're a piece of shit is what i felt like the whole time and i was like oh it was so bad it was not what I expected. Right. Oh, gosh. So, so you're using them. And then I think, uh, I think, I think what we're trying to get to is what was the last, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, I think we're trying to get to that last program. Like what led up to that? Um, well, no, like, um, yeah, I was just curious, you know, like he shared like what that, what that moment was where you decided it was like time to like get real and move forward. Right. So like, perfect. so this movie like inspires you, uh, out of fear which whatever you know any port in a storm whatever gets you <laughs> whatever gets you going so uh you you were familiar with the 12 steps uh yeah. so yeah what did that look like like how did you make it how did you make it work from that point moving forward um i mean i told so i was in like sober living and i told the guy who was like hey man like i'm getting high right now i was like i'm high right now talking to you you know what i mean it's like i gotta do something man because like i want to kill myself you know what I mean? I just couldn't stand it. Like I just couldn't stand living life the way I was living anymore. And, um, I got put on some medication for a little while to kind of like even out, you know what I mean? And, um, I did therapy for like 
I did therapy for like another year after that. And um, I had to do like 90 meetings in 90 days. Like I got a new sponsor. Like I, I, did, I did the steps and I just like kept going, even though I didn't want to go. And like, I was, you know, I'd done been in and out so many times. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I was just so willing to just like be uncomfortable. Cause like for me, like yeah. for me, like, like doing like recovery and stuff is like, it's don't get me wrong. It's, it's hard, but like, getting high and like being on the street it's and like running and gunning like that's easy because i know how to do it right. it's so right. it's like so it's like comfortable pain and i'm okay mm. with it but like coming in here and talking about how i feel and processing and like being like open and intimate with other men and stuff like that and like like exposing myself at like a gut-wrenching right. level is hard very and like hard. it was not easy for me to do and like you know and so i was like so the whole time I'm going through this in my head, I'm like, but out there is easier, so mm. much easier. And I'm comfortable with it. Wow. Yeah, embracing that discomfort, like across the board, everybody I've talked to, I mean, that is kind of like hands down something that we just have to do, you know. And I think for so long, too, like vulnerability has been viewed as this sign of weakness. And it's really like it's like the quintessential sign of strength, like when you're able to be vulnerable. And it's really empowering too. Um, like in my experience, kind of being vulnerable and like sharing those hardships or those feelings, those secrets that like you don't really think anybody else is going to be okay with. Right. Like when you're able to share about it and take ownership, it like it takes, I don't know, you get to own the experience rather than it owning you. And that's kind of what like keeps us down in there. So like yeah. kudos to you, I think too, like for men. Uh, I think, I think the tides are changing, but like for men too, that's just like a tough one uh, to sort of break that, like supposed to be this tough guy, whatever. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I see that and, you know, several of the guests that we've talked to and a lot of my friends, like men specifically, like that's part of their story, like kind of getting to this point where like, they didn't even want to go on having ideation of like how they would end it and you know, luck, luckily, like finding the strength to like allow yourself to be vulnerable, reach out for help and kind of share what you're going through. And it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's kind of like riding a bike, you know, like the more you kind of step into that discomfort, the more comfortable it becomes. So one day, like it's just normal, um, but it kind of takes practice and getting used to. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy that you found that strength to, to do that. Um, and now like, yeah. So I, I, I found out about you because of social media. Um, so you're, we, we kind of like just blit, like blew right over it when we introduced you. Cause we wanted to kind of share it for this like uh, portion of the discussion we're about to get into. But um, I, I think it was the helpful hats project. Uh, I had seen them on Instagram. I ordered one of their hats. I follow their accounts. Um, and then they started sharing about you and that's how I found out about you. Uh, you've just become like a big time advocate and activist and household I, name. Yeah. Household <laughs> name who I was introduced to as, as Narcan Nate. So I heard that and I was like, oh yeah, we got to talk about this <laughs> yeah, Jesse's not on Instagram and I don't think there's another way for us to follow you, but I was like, oh dude, you gotta meet this. This dude, he's I'm old. I got Facebook and, you know, I think I still rock my space here and there. I'm just old. I don't do the Twitter. 
I don't do the my, the Instagram. I need to. I gotta catch up with the times. I, 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 I should at least get you on Instagram. It's fun. At least get me on the I IG. Um, but yeah, so, you know, how, yeah, how did, how did you become Narcan Nate? Like, let's put some clarity around this. Like, it's not like you've done, like you've had to utilize Narcan on yourself so many times. That's not where the name came from, right? No. You can't Narcan yourself. I've never heard of anybody. I I don't think so. I wouldn't say never. I would. I wouldn't say never. Wouldn't say but never. I think it's really Very unlikely. Rare. I wouldn't count on being able to use it yourself. It's at funny least. when I talk to programs real quick. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, hey, we would like to get service you guys at Narcan, and a lot of people get offended. They're like, I don't have a drug problem. It's not for you. It's for it's to stand the gap for somebody that might to be in yeah. hell anyway. That's a whole different subject, but. Go ahead, Nate. My bad to cut you off. Sorry, Candace. No, 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 no worries. All good. Um, so I've been, I've been doing like Narcan trainings for a little bit, and um, it was probably like I feel like it was really early on, but there was these like late night meetings, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday wasn't so much late, but it was kind of like the late. It was the last meeting at like the Friendship Center out here, right? And so they had like outside announcements, and I would always do like my spiel, like you know, like. Like, you know, like, I've not, like I, would, I would give them statistics, like people overdosing, you know, and like um, tell them that the training's free, the Narcan's free, you know, like how many lives we saved and stuff like that. And then like my, my buddy CJ would be like, at first it was like, oh, there's Nate with the Narcan. And then I introduced myself, one one one, one meeting introduced myself and he's like, Narcan Nate. And then just yes. like took opera, like it just stuck. <laughs> Everybody says it. I went to a meeting last night. I introduced myself as Smitty. I get, I, they yell out Narcan Nate and it's just like, it's stuck everywhere I go. Like nobody even like calls me. Like I don't get called by my first name. It's, it's not Nathan. Narcan it's Nate. not Smitty. It's Narcan Nate. Yeah. There's even a guy that just calls me Narcan. He just like, he just calls me Narcan. <laughs> he, just, he just calls me Narcan. I'm like, as long as he's not calling me Narc. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. That's a solid point. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you put a can on the end of that. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh goodness! So, so great. So you're going to meetings. You're, you're you're talking about outside stuff at a twelve step meeting. You're you're bringing up Narcan. You you've always engulfed yourself in that. Um, and kind of you know, as Candace said, leading up to that, you've always, I guess, had a passion as being an opioid user and somebody that's you know experienced this. And I'm sure you've had friends with with your passion with that. So yeah, like Candace was saying. So that started there. Kind of talk about uh, you know. Um, I may be jumping ahead, but correct me if I'm wrong, Candace. Kind of talk about your journey now with, with Narcan and what you do in the community. Um, so it started, you know, it started off, I think, like when I first started, I was getting like maybe 48 doses of Narcan at a time. Wasn't really doing like a lot of trainings or distributions. And now I get like, I go through like 150 doses a week, if not more. You know wow. what I mean? So, um, and so now, like I, so I, you know, I, I do detoxes, I do treatment centers, I do places where they like, um, get like early release, like inmates and stuff like that. Um, I haven't done it, but I know a new path, like my boss and them, like did this program with the jail and they're like, so I don't know if it was like at risk inmates or like just inmates releasing in general, but they would like get a narc, they would get a kit when they exited the jail <laughs> And, is um, this in and, California or is this back home? No, this is in Cali. All this is in California. And they're, they're um, doing that now with with uh, the CDC. Yeah. So yeah. Right. And uh, so yeah, we've done that. Like I I go do um I go do outreach three days a week, sometimes more. Um, I think in the last month or so, like 
from August, uh, probably like the middle of August till like right now, there's been like 22 reported live saves in just my local area due to the distribution that I've been doing. Um, I'm also like uh, dabbling my toes in like actual like harm reduction, like clean needles, the cookers, the cottons. Yes. You know what I mean? Like all the because nobody is up here doing this, and I'm like, well, I already like am known up here. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I might as well just take this and run with this. So Come now, on, like, now I'm, so now I'm like dabbling my hands into that because like it needs to be done. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I get the stuff, I bag it up, make kits out of it, and I go. What does outreach look like to you? You're hitting the streets, you're hitting the the the, the houseless population, you're hitting areas where you know it's hot, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, like you know how it is. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like I, I get, I usually, I'm usually with like humanity showers and stuff like that, and um, I just go like, just kind of like follow them around. Or if I'm out, I just keep like I keep a backpack in my car, man, because like, like nothing. If I get pulled over, bro, they can't do anything to me. You know what I mean? So if I see somebody, because like, like I know people, like people see your face and like word of like, um, word of mouth on the streets is still the same when I was getting loaded. Like it spreads, so people see me. Or like, you're a you walking, know, you're a yeah, walking like, mobile harm reduction center. Is what yeah, you are. yeah. That's so like beautiful. if I see people, yeah, like I'll just throw them a kit. Like on the we spot, need to get like you I, a harm reduction van where you can go set up and. That's the goal. That's <laughs> I'm working on that right now. That's the see goal. that. That's yeah. set up and, and, and man, just team up with maybe we have a thing in Sacramento called Elica mobile and they go to our sites and they do uh mobile clinics and do checkups for, for homeless stuff like that. So maybe find a mobile clinic in your area. You can team up with or something. I'm just throwing ideas out, but so right. sorry. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to, to uh, tell your secrets. No, but, no, uh, no, no. That's a goal right now. I mean, I'm actually like working with people and like yeah. a new path and stuff like that, you know, like um that's, that's in the process like that's the goal so like i quit like i'm going to i'm going to start working somewhat but like i pretty much quit my job to like focus on outreach and harm reduction like i'm in school i'm starting school for sociology with, and gonna put do an emphasis on nonprofit um outreach and stuff like that and i mean i'll be that's working awesome. like 28 25 hours a week but like the goal is to like to take this thing like so much further you know what i mean heck yeah dude that's great so you're not working for anybody right now? No. Oh, wow. Okay. You're just yeah, I mean, I've got money saved up. I'm about to start school, so I'll get some money for school. You know what I mean? And But I can, like, do DoorDash, you know, when I need to. Right. And, uh, and I've got, I've got friends, I've got friends that have like companies and they'll like, if I need to work a day or need to make money, I can work like three days a week for them and then go do my thing. You know what I mean? That's it's beautiful. Like, right. I can make my, I can make my own schedule and that's what I want to do. Like, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. How awesome is that though? Like recovery puts us in these positions where we can like set ourselves up and then, you know, give ourselves the space and the time to decide what the next move is. So, um, but it does get, it makes me curious though, like with you doing all this outreach, like, I mean, how is it funded? Like Narcan is is Um, free. We get it in our communities, but. What did you, what 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 was the last thing you said? I said we can get it into the communities and in the hands of the people that need it without it costing them. But you know, it's gotta it's gotta get paid for somewhere down the road. So um, yeah, so uh, so uh, a new path. So I get my Narcan through a new path, and then there is awesome. some har- there's a harm reduction lady um, in San Diego named I think I, I want to say it's Tara, maybe Tara, but I feel like she it's pronounced Tara um, Stavos, and she so. Um, I linked up with her and like, so I went down there and she like hooked me up with supplies and stuff like that. So right now, like I'm running off that and uh, she gave me like the whole works, you know what I mean? 
and then I get I get the Narcan again through a new path. So um, oh, nice. they, okay. they're like, you know, they're just donation based and, and grant based is all they are. You know what I mean? So it's strictly like 501c3. Yeah. Oh, cool. And what so is a standing order, mate? Uh, yeah, yeah. We got a standing order. Yeah, to distribute. You don't even have to have a prescription. For, I think you can just go to the pharmacy now and get it in California. Like there's no like prescription law anymore. I think it, I think it's different when it comes to organizational. So like to pass out to communities different. So for us, like with YPR, you have to like keep track, have a standing order. Oh like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I give to orgs. So like if anybody's interested, say you're listening, you have an org or nonprofit, or you're an individual that says, "Hey, I want to do what Nate does. I want to do what Narcan Nate does." Um, you know, <laughs> it's a very it's a very easy. You're process. a role model, like, household name you man. You're a role model. Yeah, Nate Narcan Nate's a gangster in recovery. I love it. And uh, you know. If you're listening, you can get standing orders. I, I I do a lot of training with orgs, and so I have to, um, you know, I do that. And because, especially with low border communities, you know, it's housing first, so you're going to have a lot of use that comes with these with these uh, with these type of facilities and stuff. So go ahead, Candice. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was going to say, but I do <laughs> know what I want to. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about. Um, fentanyl test strip. So, you know, yes. harm, harm reduction has definitely become kind of like a, a hot topic these days. And I think more people are paying attention to it. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of government funding going into Narcan training and distribution. Um, but just as important, you know, is, <laughs> you know, not only protecting people from the experience of an overdose, but like, uh, like, how do we prevent that? And that's where right. you know, fentanyl testing strips, because uh, you can probably speak more to this just with your work in it. But like, we all know fentanyl is ending up in not, you know, fentanyl is a very high, highly concentrated opiate, um, but it's being cut into other drugs. So even people that aren't primary opiate users, um, it's ending up in their supplies. And so people being able to just test whatever it is that they're using. Um, and I know it's not 100 percent, you know, perfect, but it's a start. Um, but yeah, talk to us a little bit about like your experience with fentanyl test strips and, and how those work and give us the rundown. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, so you're absolutely right. They don't, so the test strips only test for 11 types of fentanyl. I think there's 24 types of like fentanyl analogs. So, you know, you're really, you're kind of like, so we give them out, but here's the thing. Like I always tell people like, you know, you're going to test your supply. You want to, uh, don't use alone. Uh, you want to go slow and you want to have Narcan. Like that's like the, the basic rules of like harm reduction. You know what <laughs> I mean? So you can test and, you know, um, but it's always just like play it safe. Cause like you say, it's in everything. It's in literally <laughs> in everything. Like it's, it's in Coke, it's in methamphetamine. Yeah. You know what I mean? People buy, uh, you know, some heroin. It's in that, you know, I would say almost all the powder out there has fentanyl in it. You know what I mean? And it's just really just knowing how to use it, like, you know, um, with like powder and stuff like that. You know, you don't have to like dilute it as much. But if you're like doing like rock or meth, like you have to dilute it a lot more because if not, you'll get like an invalid reading on it. You know what I mean? Right. And just like going and like going to like a, what I see a lot of times now is like people are smoking. And, you know, and when you when you when you smoke, like it doesn't um it doesn't hit you as quick. So they're like, Oh, I'm not high. I don't feel this. This is like some bunk right. ass shit. And then they, <laughs> they smoke again and then they're done like, they're out. You know what I mean? No so tolerance like, for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Or like people like me, me like being an opiate user and like how, like when I'm a practice, when I'm practicing, like, um, like using, using drugs and stuff like that, like 
I think I know everything, you know, I, I told you about my great ideas earlier, you know what I mean? And so like, I, I think like I, I'm, I'm really at risk. So it's like important to like go slow and, uh, and obviously keep Narcan. Cause like, it, you know, it's better. I tell people all the time, it's better to like, to have it not need, need not have, you know what I mean? Cause it's three to five minutes without oxygen. That's my slogan, dead. man. Yeah, yeah. That's my slogan. I talk to these youth that I go to, you know, and again, I always tell people there's a stigma like, well, I'm not an addict. I'm not a I'm not a substance user. What I it's not about that standing in the gap, being an ally for those that are yeah. uh, being a good neighbor, being a good uh, uh, brother or sister in your communities, um, and standing in the gap. And I think you brought a good point up. I think people don't need to realize about tolerance. You know, a lot of overdoses happen when, uh, as many of you you know, when they get out of programs, they get about mm -hmm. 30 days of detox, and when they go use directly after that, they're still using the same amount before they went in. Yeah, there's a big problem with that. Yeah, right? it don't work like that. <laughs> it don't work like that. And so that's how you have a lot of overdose. But I love that you talked about fentanyl testing strips. I have a question for you, a personal question. I'm starting okay. to dip my toes in that as well, uh, bro. And um, I'm having some some red tape. And like, what what's your process with the fentanyl strips? I'm I'm finding out we can get them for community, uh, but uh, I'm finding that it's harder to get the Narcan. Uh, is what do you? What is your expertise on when it comes to getting testing strips and how can we go about that here in California? How can we get testing strips in California? Yeah. How, how do you go about it? Um, I, so right now I just got mine through like Tara or Tara, like I said earlier, and there's, like, so there's a huge, like a lot of money for harm reduction in grant wise, right. In, in like from the government. So, and she's tapped into that. So she helps me out. And I mean, you could do like dance safe, but I think they charge like a dollar, uh, like a, a dollar, dollar and change. I looked into it yeah. for like one test strip, and and that's fine. Like you have money and you're right. doing fundraisers. Like we just did a fundraiser for that at New Path on on Overdose Awareness Day. Um, but I mean, what I'm like the goal right now is so I have a few friends that are grant writers, and I'm trying to tap into some grant money. You know what I mean? And nice. so like you know jesse from doing like harm reduction like they want to see statistics like right. the demographic that you're Data. reaching like you know and like either like a, a lower rate of overdose or you know or like so many lives saved you know what right. i mean like that's what they want so we're already doing that you know what Beautiful. i mean so i feel like as long as i feel like with grants like that's the way to go you just gotta learn how to write them in the verbiage and what they're looking for you know what i mean and and, and get a grant that's like you know because you have to use all the money and make it last right. like a certain amount of time so like don't be like, oh, I'm going to get a $3 million grant and you can't even use that amount of money. You know what I mean? I think like right. getting a grant within your means within and your then means. going from there like baby steps, you know what I mean? So that that's that's the way I'm going. But right. as far as like the money, like I can raise money to get test strips. Like it's really not that big of a deal. Like people Beautiful. don't want to donate all the time. Like they see us out here doing it and they want to help. And it's just like you have to put yourself out there. Like but I've had success like you, with social you, you media. Need, people like you need to be paid for what you're doing. And, and there's money. You're absolutely right. There's, there's grant money to be had and you need to tap into that, especially in a state like California. It's there, you know, all you got to do is do the homework and uh, you brought up a good point and yeah, fundraising. That's very grassroots. Uh, everybody wants to help a good cause. You know, everybody wants to save lives. So, uh, but thank you for touching on that. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the same mix right now. I'm trying to, raise money and you know we just had a uh an overdose at my at my job two weeks a week and a half ago one of my youth um fentanyl man had fentanyl and it was in his pills he was uh taking xanax and we just talked about the fentanyl in california yeah. and uh he's 19 he just passed away so 
now we're we're planning for the contact is we already contacted his parents but it's real it's real in my life it's real in candace's life it's real in your life and i always like candace said what if we had strips right yeah. like the narcan is important but what's more important is testing these testing these mm -hmm. things uh before the use i think candace you brought up a great point right yeah but also like keeping in mind like they're not a hundred percent so still like right just doing your best to right protect yourself you know and not use alone. alone like he said don't use alone yeah i mean accountable you know all my friends that i've lost to overdose they died alone you know yeah. like um yeah so doing that not using alone going slow um but still you know and who knows like maybe maybe it'll continue to develop like the the test strips and be able to be more accurate you know be able to test for a hundred percent of the different types of fentanyls but it is something though you know like it does help uh somebody might have no clue and they, they could get a positive test and be like oh uh that could have just saved their life you know so mm -hmm. i mean harm reduction it is like there is no one one like solution to it it's like a multifaceted approach you know through yeah being being equipped and prepared with narcan having things like fentanyl test strips like that education not to use alone having access to safe syringes uh, and disposal of them um so much goes along with that uh and it is um you know it's not it's not just about protecting the individual it's like a pr about protecting the community too absolutely um and i think that a lot of people don't recognize that it is like it is a benefit for the entire community and not just these like individual substance users um, right so i really I appreciate all the work that you're doing i think it's getting better candace too it's like we talked about last time nate uh we had another guest we talked about harm reduction it's like uh, in california specifically hospitals now are really making headway with california bridge you know before there was no there was no department for substance users in hospitals and now you can walk into an er and you can walk for there's actually on hospital sites now in california substance use navigators and they can walk in and say i want help and there will be somebody that comes out from the er and they have their own department now so i'm not sure if you're familiar with that but uh, i'll get your email send you some information you can give out to people and we put those stickers on our naloxone kits so if they want to like if they have an overdose and they're like man i need treatment they can call that number and get treatment right away at these hospitals so it's pretty cool oh that's awesome yeah, yeah that's for awesome sure. yeah i think like i think like one of the biggest things like as far as this go because like People like people like are naive, you know what I mean? And like, so I tell people all the time, I'm like, like your kids, like, like the, like the older crowd, you know, cause I, I get a lot of kickback from them. They're like, Oh, this is great. But like, I'll never need it. I'm like, I don't think you understand, you know, they're, they're either like not educated on it or they're just naive. You know what I mean? Cause I was naive. You know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh, that'll never happen to me. And, uh, but, and you know, like my family never expected me to like fall out in front of them. But like, you know, I try to tell people all the time, I'm like, you're, you're like, your kids or your, your grandkids are like they could die the first time they get high because like mm. the drugs are still around like the drug war failed like mm -hmm. we, we failed like it failed you know what i mean like the right. drugs are still here and like like if your kid like does something that's laced with fentanyl like they're probably gonna die like mm. there's no answer for buts about it with no tolerance like they're gonna die and then you're it's gonna a real statement me. it's not yeah. offensive it's a real yeah. statement yeah, yeah. i was like said. and then you, yeah i was like and then you're gonna remember me having this conversation with you wishing you would have had narcan with mm. you but you didn't yeah 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 on another note like related to that narcan but there's a 
there's a woman that works with us, uh, kind of at, at, in the Denver area. Um, and I can't remember, Jesse, it's Corrine. I can't remember. It might've been like Corrine her Brady. aunt. Yeah. Her aunt or her mother, uh, got sent home with opiates after a dental appointment. Right. Uh, and she was like completely like opiate naive and she experienced an overdose from the prescription, like not, you know, no intention of like, um, using right. for recreational purposes you know right. she was just taking it to manage the pain that she experienced after her dentist appointment she experienced an overdose just people react to that. uh so it's like yeah somebody might be like i don't need this it's like well <laughs> you might have no idea like you might right. end up needing to take like a prescription pain medication that is yeah. too strong for you um so yeah shout out to kareen by the way she does an awesome work with ypr and she's She's like you, man. She's our version of uh, Schmitty here at YPR. She's like <laughs> totally engaged. Shout out, Kareen, if you're listening. We love you. Yeah, she's doing incredible work in her area out here in Colorado with Narcan Education, and um, you know, especially to trying to like educate people on uh, uh, Good Samaritan laws, things of that uh, nature, so that people aren't afraid to call law enforcement first responders. Um, cause that's a part of it too. You know, so many people I've heard the, the, I've heard the craziest stories about how people attempt to reverse overdoses, uh, because they don't want to call first responders. I won't get into details, but like something about an ice cube going up, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, wow. That's, you know, like yep. fingers crossed that works. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't put any faith or stock into that, but, um, but yeah, so it's really important to like be aware of your, um, good Samaritan laws in your community. Um, so that people, you know, if you are a bystander and you call it in, like you're going to be protected, you know, regardless if you have like personal, um, substance that is on you. I know it gets a little like gray when you're kind of on paper. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like, we got to keep people alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Marathon law is like a very important thing to know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah, Narcan should be everywhere. We're in an epidemic, and it needs to be everywhere. And I love what you said. I'd rather uh, have it and not need it than need it and not have it. That's my logo. It's my my pitch to people, my pitch to organizations. It should be in airports, high schools, middle schools. It should be everywhere. First aid kits. You know, we just spoke on SB three sixty seven. We we passed some legislation this year. It's going to be uh, done in January uh, for all universities in California. Uh, when you when you join a college campus, they give you a 10-minute Narcan training, and they show you where Narcan's at in each dorm. I think it's beautiful. So oh, we're growing. Awesome. You know, we're, yeah, we're getting there. We're growing. And I just wish the same could be said for fentanyl strips. But um, kind of pivoting a little bit, Nate, um, our next question here is, you know, what projects are you currently working on? Uh, you've already touched that mostly, but anything else you want to bring up? And then, like, what do you plan on here in the future? And you've already um, kind of touched on that with the van. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the van's up in the works. And then, like, we're, gonna, we're like, going to do – um. so, yeah, like, so doing harm reduction right now, like, you know, picking that process up, it's, like, it's taking off. Um, And then, so being mobile is, is, like, the next goal, like, getting a van and just doing, like, driving all over, like, North County. And it's going to be, like – It'll be an extension of, like, new path, a, a new path, which is the current organization. It's just going to be, like, a new extension of it. And uh, so, you know, I'll be like doing that up here and then um, awesome. going to be trying, going to be working with um, 
I can't think of the name or I would, I would tell you, but somebody just like briefly uh, mentioned it to me, but um, we're going to be going into bars and stuff and trying to get like fentanyl test strips and bars because like, I don't know if you know this, but like cocaine use is like so nonchalant now. Like yes. cocaine is like the new marijuana. Like you go into a bar and it's people everywhere. are like, talking like cocaine, like it's nothing like, you know what I yeah. mean? And, uh, and so, and like, dude, I, I know so many people that have overdosed just from like sniffing coke, like no intentions, no, they're just, they're just hanging out with their friends, partying, having a good time. Like drinking, you know, so in cocaine and drinking go together like nothing, you know what I mean? It's not just in opioids now. It's yeah. it's in cocaine. It's yeah. in it's in methamphetamines. It's it's in everything. So good point. Just because you think, why well, do narcotics? I'm safe. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we're trying to get like fentanyl test strips and Narcan. Hopefully they'll they'll do Narcan. So we're trying to like gonna go to some bars and try to make a pitch to them to like keep fentanyl Love test it. strips and and Narcan <laughs> in the bars and stuff like that. So that's like another project. I haven't started that yet, but it's in the, we're in the works, like planning it and like the pitch and like. I love it. Thing, you know what I mean? So that's another thing coming up. And then um, really just like just growing like what I have, you know what I mean? And like, obviously, like, you know, like I, I'm a firm believer in like social media and like how that gets out there. So like I believe in like putting out content and stuff like that. Like like uh, like, you know, I, I trained a guy. I put a video out the other day. Like I trained this guy, you know, he's not even like. Like, I think that I think the guy might smoke weed. You know what I mean? He was like, but he but he was that's here's the thing. Here's the kicker. He's at risk of being exposed to someone experiencing an overdose. And he got trained. He saved a man's life. You know what I mean? Wow. Like at the he's like he, he's like in like a he's getting housed up right now. So like, you know, he was on the streets, but now he's housed up. And I think this this place like they didn't even have Narcan on hand. So if mm. I wouldn't have like trained this guy, if he would have been willing to do this training, take time out of his day to do it like that guy possibly could have died or went brain dead you know what i mean and then wow. he would end up dying anyway because you know they had pulled the cord in the hospital you know what i mean because they couldn't do anything for him good job wow man. but narcan nate came through trained narcan him up nate. <laughs> let him be like i'm gonna cool say narcan that? nate and schmitty both roll off the tongue i just like schmitty i like narcan <laughs> nate you never know i might call you narcan nate right now in five minutes it might be well, it's kind of like batman you know you like We're go by bruce wayne by bruce or batman yeah and yeah you're, you're pretty much batman bro you're batman of the narcan you know you got your utility belt you got your van yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah my friends they like you just drive around all day like just trying to narc anywhere you can see i'm like this is not how it works that's what they think i do that's it really does what I do. Oh, you make it work you're a you're a trailblazer yeah. i'm 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 well, dude, that's you, the thing like that's the thing with recovery like we gotta meet people where they're at i mean oh, enough yeah. like yeah shame yeah. and guilt and all that that can go out the window you know it's like yeah People are going to find recovery when they're ready to. And all that we can do in the meantime is like help keep them safe and treat them like human beings because they are, you know, and they deserve love and kindness and respect uh, just as much as the next person. So like what you're doing by, you know, providing harm reduction resources and services, uh, but then even like taking it a step further and like getting yourself out in the community. Uh, Cause we talked about it the other day. It's like, sometimes people just don't even have like, the energy to like go to a clinic and get these things, you know, or, or whatever it is, or maybe they just don't even know about it. Like, um, so being able to like get out into the, into their community, um, and yeah, just treat them like any other human, like a good human and be like, Hey, I care about you. You matter. Here's some things to keep you safe. If you, you know, if, when you're ready to take a different path, like hit me up. I know some things <laughs> like 
That's huge. So just everything that you're doing, uh, you know, it's like, right. It's, it's very in the trenches. I commend you for that. Um, it's tough work. You know, you see, you see some things and it's, uh, it takes a really strong person to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And that's like another thing I say all the time. Like I just meet people where they're at. Like my job here is just to like, love them where they're at plant a seed you know i don't try to throw sobriety on anybody recovery right. like you know because that's not attractive that just makes people want to tell you to go fuck yourself you know what i right. mean and oh, yeah. uh Been yeah so, yeah so i'm just like you know like i like if you want to get high get high just like be safe you know what i mean like i can't stop nope because i've overdosed before and then we got high like right after it and right. you know right. you weren't going to tell me anything it didn't matter <laughs> what you had to say and i'd have probably told you the same thing if like you tried to push sobriety on me i was right. not gonna have it i want to hear that right now yeah no absolutely yeah. not not. like i'm like i'm trying to get well i just i just got a ball man leave me alone yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's just i'm not i'm not gonna hear i'm not gonna be receptive to it and then if you like right. when i am ready i'm not gonna come to you you know what i mean and i make you right. it because of that you, but like, you're saving lives man you're saving lives and i can attest i've had a very close friend of mine she's had uh 11 overdoses and most people would say you know what why right and you know what she is now she's in management She's in recovery. She's coming up on five years. She's married, has a baby. So to all the naysayers that are out there, like, oh my God, nine overdoses, 10 overdoses. Nobody was preaching recovery ever, but you know what? Someone was giving the, her Narcan and her friend's Narcan to help her get back, right? So you know, that's a great testament. I don't care if it takes 13 times. It may take right. 20, you know, but it's not up to us to judge. We just provide our resources and when they're ready, they'll be, they'll, they'll come, you know? <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. I kind of think that's like, I had people preaching at me and to get sober. It's like, in my experience, it was like the worst thing anybody could have said to me. Cause it almost oh, like yeah. made me, made me like want to do the opposite even more. Be like, Oh no, I'll show you. I can do this. I can do right. this. Uh, I don't think I'm the only person that's felt that no, way. No, no. But oh, The minute I try to start, the minute I try to like think about quitting smoking cigarettes, you know, what's on my mind, a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay, I'm gonna quit today after this one, you know. Right. Well, it's like and then you get yourself in a mode, you're like, all right, I'm gonna do this, and then you get people like telling you to do it, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna put that on hold for a little bit. Right. Good good point, Schmitty, with that. And we're not there to to uh you know berate anybody or try to convince them. We're just there to love on people. That's the message I've heard from you today, is you mm -hmm. just love on your community, brother. And when the time comes, they'll be ready. But until then, you're standing in the gap for a lot of people that don't want it. Cause it's not glamorous, man. What you're doing is not glamorous. You you probably don't get a lot of kudos, but you do it because you love the people and you've been there and you know the risk. And you're in the trenches, man. I, I, I respect you so much. I'm just my hat's off to you. Um, you know, we need you out. We need more Schmitties. We need more Narcan Nates. We need more people to be allied and stand in the gap. I can't preach this enough, man. I'm just, uh, man, kudos to you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Think we'll, uh, yeah, go ahead. Do you want to yeah, ask? I was gonna say, uh, I just got a, yeah, I just got one last question for you. Um, yes. and okay. so, you know, what does recovery mean to you? That's the question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> for me, per so for me, and I'll explain why I think this way. But for me personally, like, I think like any positive change is like recovery because like, mm -hmm. the, like, you know what I mean? If I could just like, there was days where like, I couldn't even stay 
like sober for a few hours and like you know what i mean like and like you know like when i in early sobriety i like 30 days was like a really long mm. fucking time yes you know what i mean so if someone goes from opiates and they just smoke weed from from here until they die who gives a shit you know what i mean like they're not killing themselves yeah. and they're like their quality of life more than likely i would almost bet has gotten better and yep. like that's all that fucking matters. I don't care if your recovery looks like mine is different from mine. As long as your life's better and you're like you're living and enjoying your life, you know what I mean. That's all that matters. I don't give a shit. Love it. Great answer. Yeah, hundred percent. Recovery is different. Yeah, for sure, Candace. Yeah. No, I love that. You know, I think uh, too. People, uh, people should keep that in mind as they like. You know, people will put so much stock into the length of time and they're like, man, I had 30 days and I let it go. And that's the most I ever had. And it's like, that's a huge step. You know, if you went from using every day to going 30 days without before you used again, like that's a huge like step up, you know, and like maybe maybe you kind of got stagnant for a minute and you got to like get back on the horse but like yeah. that's yep. huge you know even if it's like three days or four days or five days you know like a couple of days if you went from yeah. every single day to having like a few days you know pro- progress not perfection as they all yeah, like man. to say and you <laughs> so. gotta get out of the stigma of like recovery there's this stigma of like recovery is abstinence i'm tired of hearing that oh, recovery yeah. is not abstinence recovery is whatever whatever you're doing mm-hmm. to better yourself from before that's it i don't care what it looks like mm-hmm. uh, recovery is so many different hats it's not a one size fits all now abstinence is my form because that's all i know and that's what works for me but it may not be the next person right oh yeah i think think respecting people where they're at and not pushing your your form down people you know let it take course on their own i think it's a really good point well awesome dude uh i love yeah great answer thank you so much um we're going to kind of like wrap this up i really appreciate you sharing your story with us um kind of what led you to this journey of recovery and becoming narcan nate who uh like i mentioned earlier like i i stumbled across you through instagram and was just i thought it was so cool you do these like um videos with narcan trainings that people can watch online same thing with like the fentanyl testing strips uh, i just think it's so cool that you're putting that out there but um yeah so let us let our listeners know like how they can find and connect with you or you know maybe some of the agencies yeah. that you're working with like how can they find them yeah so on so on facebook my name is nathan smitty um and then uh, my instagram is narcan underscore nate um for a new path there, there's two accounts there's a new path 99 and then there's a new path narcan project on instagram and then i also like collaborate with um with humanity showers and so it's just like at humanity showers um so that's kind of the, some of the organizations that i like work with and and do things through and they're all based out of oceanside california uh uh see yeah in the general area yeah and then there's there's also uh reintegration.vp which they like uh they bring in like uh guys coming out of uh, incarceration and help uh introduce them to uh, into society again nice and uh there's also here i'll look it up real quick what are they called um i think it's use use vantage point it's kind of like the same thing as uh reintegration they kind of do the same thing so 
Yeah, we all kind of like, yeah, use Vantage Point and their Instagram is just use Vantage Point. And they like, they help people with uh, disabilities, uh, gain me- meaning- meaningful employment and stuff like that. So, love it. Yeah, all oh, good organizations. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll plug all this in the show notes so people from, from your apps, you can look in the show notes and find all these websites and resources. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I wanted to note was what's your hat say? Oh, it says Young Gods on it. Where's that come from? Uh, so it's this company that my, my friend Brandon started and, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I see young shout, gods, out to, I, shout out to Brandon and young, young gods, capital G. <laughs> I like that. I mean, is that, is that tied yeah. to recovery at all or no? Uh, Brandon's in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Brandon's in recovery. Yeah. He like, nice. he, he like, he helps me with like all the filming and stuff with the, that I do. So he's usually the, the man behind the camera. I usually tag him and everything. Oh, yeah, nice. so so yeah, he's got this clothing company, and so you know, I kind of help him with it, help him like sell some of his clothes and stuff like that. So yeah, he's oh, super cool. super rad, dude. Well, I'll check it out. Always love to support another person in recovery. So uh, finding another like healthy path of life. So yeah, kudos to him for like starting a business, and it looks like a pretty sweet hat. So oh, it is. It's got like it's like suede right here. It's like a trucker Ooh, hat with suede dang. right there. Like yeah, who has a trucker hat with suede on it? Like what? It's got like. I don't know if you can see it's like a diamond pattern right here. Oh, Narcan Nate's bougie. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went from the, yeah, went from the trap house. You went from to, Kentucky. To yeah. yeah. From the trap house to the penthouse, baby. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, look, man, you came from Kentucky. So thanks for bringing that swag to California. We need we need that out there in SoCal. Uh, we really appreciate you once again, Schmitty, for being here, for Narcan Nate for being here. This is one of my one of my more. They're all good interviews, but I, I really enjoyed this one on a personal level, Nate. I just want to thank you so much, Candice. Good Absolutely. job in finding this awesome, handsome young man here in SoCal, and I'm just so excited for him to be out there in the trenches. If you guys want to get a hold of him, find him. And you heard it right now. He raises money. Sometimes he has to raise money for fentanyl uh, strips. Find him. Say how how can I get back? We'll have some links in the bio. We want to make sure people can donate and find your link and on you on Instagram and Facebook. And so. Man, my hat's off to you, sir. I, I, I bow to you. Thank you so much for being here. And we're excited for your recovery journey and what you're doing in SoCal. Guys, once again, uh, welcome to Recovery Corner. As we leave, I am your host, Jesse Hayner. I am Candace Rose. Uh, remember, new episodes are available to stream every other Wednesday as early as 5 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, as always, here at YPR, we do recover and we are in your corner. Thanks for listening.